The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, continuing the story of The Hobbit. Chapter 2 The Riders of Rohan Dusk deepened. Mist lay behind them among the trees below and brooded on the pale margins of the Anduin, but the sky was clear. Stars came out. The waxing moon was riding in the west, and the shadows of the rocks were black. They had come to the feet of stony hills, and their pace was slower, for the trail was no longer easy to follow. Here the highlands of the Emin Mule ran from north to south in two long tumbled ridges. The western side of each ridge was steep and difficult, but the eastward slopes were gentler, furrowed with many gullies and narrow ravines. All night the three companions scrambled on this bony land, climbing to the crest of the first and tallest ridge, and down again into the darkest of a into the darkness of a deep winding valley on the other side. There in the still cool hour before dawn they before dawn they rested for a brief space. The moon had long gone down before them, the stars glittered above them. The first light of day had not yet come over the dark hills behind. For the moment Argon was at a loss. The orc trail had descended into the valley, but there it had vanished. Which way do you think they turned, do you think? said Legolas. Northward to take a straighter road to Isengard or Fangorn, if that is their aim, as you guess, or southward to strike the Entwash. They will not make for the river, wherever, whatever mark they aim at, said Aragorn, and unless there is much amiss in Rohan and the power of Saruman is greatly increased, they will take the shortest way they, that they can find over the fields of Rohirrim. Let us search northwards. The dale ran like a stony trough between the rigid hills and a trickling stream flowed among the boulders at the bottom a cliff frowned upon their height to their left rose gray slopes dim and shadowy in the late night they went on a f they went on for a mile or northwards or more northwards aragorn was searching bent towards the ground among the folds and gullies leading up into the western ridge legolas was some way ahead Suddenly the elf gave a cry, and the others came running towards him. "'We have already overtaken some of those that we are hunting,' he said. "'Look!' He pointed, and they saw that they, that what they had at first taken to be boulders lying at the foot of the slope were huddled bodies. Five dead orcs lay there. They had, each, they had been hewn with many cruel strokes, and two had been beheaded. The ground was wet with their dark blood. "'Here's another riddle!' said Gimli, but it needs the light of day, and for that we cannot wait. Yet however you read it, it seems not hopeful, said Legolas. Enemies of the orcs are likely to be our friends. Do any folk dwell in these hills? No, said Aragorn. The Roaring se seldom come here, and it is far from Minas Tirith. It might be that some company of men were hunting here for reasons that we do not know, yet I think not. What do you think? said Gimli. I think that the enemy brought his own enemy with him, answered Aragorn. These are northern orcs from far away. Among the slain are none of the great orcs with the strange badges. There was a quarrel, I guess. It is no uncommon thing that these fall with these foul folk. Maybe there was some dispute about the road. Or about the captives, said Gimli. Let us hope that they too did not meet their end here. Aragorn searched the ground in a wide circle, but no other traces of the fight could be found. They went on. Already the eastern sky was turning pale, the stars were fading, and a great light was slowly growing. A little further north they came to a fold in which a tiny stream, falling and winding, had cut a stony path down into the valley. In it some bushes grew, and there were wet 
and there were patches of grass upon its sides. At last, said Aragorn, here are the tracks that we seek. Up this water channel, this is the way that the orcs went after their debate. Sophie now the pursuers turned and followed the new path. As if fresh from a night's rest, they sprang from stone to stone. At last they reached the crest of the gray hill, and a sudden breeze blew in their hair and stirred their cloaks, the chill wind of dawn. Turning back, they saw across the river the far hills kindled. Day leaped into the sky. The red rim of the sun rose over the shoulders of the dark land. Before them in the west, the world lay still, formless and gray. But even as they looked, the shadows of night melted. Melted, the colors of the waking earth returned. Green flowed over the wide meads of Rohan. The white mist shimmered in the water bells, and far off to the left, thirty leagues or more, blue and purple stood the white mountains, rising into peaks of jet, tipped with the glimmering snows, flushed with the rose of morning. Gondor, Gondor, cried Aragorn. Would that I looked on you happy would that I looked on you again in happier hour. Not yet does my road lie southward to your bright streams. Gondor, Gondor, between the mountain and the sea, west wind blew there, the light upon the silver tree, fell like bright rain in gardens of the kings of old. O proud walls, white towers, O winged crown and throne of gold, O Gondor, Gondor, shall men behold the silver tree, or west wind blow again between the mountains and the sea? Now let us go, he said drawing his eyes away from the south and looking out west and north to the way that he must tread. The ridge upon which the companions stood went down steeply before their feet. Below it, twenty fathoms or more, there was a wide and rugged shelf which ended suddenly in the brink of a sheer cliff, the east wall of Rohan. So ended the Emin Mule, and the green plains of the royal room stretched away before them to the edge of sight. Look, cried Legolas, pointing up his pointing up into the pale sky above them. There is the eagle again. He is very high. He seems to be flying now away from this land back to the north. He is going with great speed. Look. No, not even my eyes can see him, my good Legolas, said Argorn. He must be far aloft indeed. I wonder what is his errand, if he is the same bird that I have seen before. But look, I can see something nearer at hand and more urgent. There is something moving over the plain. Many things said Legolas. It is a great company on foot, but I cannot see any. I cannot say more, nor see what kind of folk they may be. They are many leagues away, twelve, I guess. But the flatness of the plain is hard to measure. I think, none the less, that we no longer need any trail to tell us which way to go. Said Gimli. Let us find a path down to the fields as quick as may be. I doubt if you will find a path quicker than the one that the orcs chose. Said Aragorn. They followed their enemies now by the clear light of day. It seemed that the orcs had pressed on with all possible speed. Every now and again the pursuers found things that had been dropped or cast away. Food bags, the rinds and crusts of hard gray bread, a torn black cloak, a heavy iron-nailed shoe broken on the stones. The trail led them north along the top of the escarpment, and at length they came to a deep cleft carved in the rock by a stream that splashed noisily down. In the narrow ravine, a rough path descended like a steep stair into the plain. At the bottom, they came with a strange suddenness on the grass of Rohan. It swelled like a green sea up to the very foot of the Emin Mule. The falling stream vanished into a deep growth of cresses and water plants, and they could hear it tinkling away in the green tunnels. 
down long gentle slopes towards the fens of Endwash Vale far away. They seemed to have left winter clinging to the hills behind. Here the air was softer and warmer and faintly scented, as if spring was already stirring and the sap was flowing again in herb and leaf. Legolas took a deep breath, like one that drinks a great draught after long thirst in very barren places. Ah, the green smell, he said. It is better than much sleep. Let us run. Light feet may run swiftly here, said Aragorn, more swiftly, maybe, than iron-shot orcs. Now we have a chance to lessen their lead. They went in single file, running like hounds on a strong scent in an eager light with their eye in their eyes. Yelly due west, the broad swaths of the marching orcs trimmed its ugly slot. The sweet grass of Rohan had been bruised and blackened as they passed. Presently, Argorn gave a cry and turned aside. Stay, he shouted. Do not follow me yet. He ran quickly to the right, away from the main trail, for he had seen footprints that went that way, branching off from the others, the marks of small, unshod feet. These, however, did not go far before they were crossed by orc prints, also coming out from the main trail behind and in front, and then they curved sharply back again and were lost in the trampling. At the furthest point, Argon stooped and picked up something from the grass. Then he ran back. Yes, he said. They are quite plain. A hobbit's footprints. Pippin's, I think. He is smaller than the others. And look at this. He held up a thing that glittered in the sunlight. It looked like the new open leaf of a beech tree, fair and strange in, the tr in that treeless plain. The, bro the brooch of an elven cloak, cried Legolas and Gimli together. Not idly do the leaves of Lorien fall, said Aragorn. This did not drop by chance. It was cast away as a token to any that might follow. I think Pippin ran away from the trail for that purpose. Then he, is then he at least was alive, said Gimli and he had the use of his wits, and of his legs too. That is heartening. We did not pursue in vain. Let us hope that he did not pay too dearly for his boldness, said Legolas. Come, let us go on. The thought of those merry young folk driven like cattle burns my heart. The sun climbed up to the noon and then rode slowly down the sky. Light clouds came up out of the sea in the distant south and were blown away upon the breeze. The sun sank. Shadows rose behind and reached out long arms from the east. Still the hunters held on. One day now had passed since Boromir fell, and the orcs were yet far ahead. No longer could any sight of them be seen in the level plains. As nightshade was closing about them, Argorn halted. Only twice in the day's march had they rested for a brief while, and twelve leagues now lay behind bet between them and the eastern wall where they had stood at dawn. We have come at last to a hard choice, he said. Shall we rest by night, or shall we go on while our will and strength hold? Unless our enemies rest also, they will leave us far behind if we stay to sleep, said Legolas. Surely even orcs must pause on the march, said Gimli. Seldom will orcs journey in the open under the sun, yet these have done so, said Legolas. Certainly they will not rest by night. But if we walk by night, we cannot follow their trail, said Gimli. The trail is straight and turns neither le right nor left, as far as my eyes can see, said Legolas. Maybe I could lead you, I guess, in the darkness and hold to the line, said Aragorn. But if we strayed or they turned aside, then when light came, there might be long delay before the trail was found again. And there is this also, said Gimli. Only by day can we see if any tracks lead away. 
if a prisoner should escape or if one should be carried off eastward say to the great river towards mordor we might pass the signs and never know it that is true said aragorn but if i read the signs back yonder rightly this orcs of the white hand prevailed and the whole company is now bound for isengard their present course bears me out yet it yet it would be rash to be sure of their counsel said gimli and what of escape in the dark we should have passed the signs that led you to the brooch the orcs would be doubly on their guard since then and the prisoners even warier said legolas there will be no escape again if we do not contrive it how that is to be done cannot be guessed but first we must overtake them and yet even i dwarf of many journeys and not the least hardy of my folk cannot run all the way to isengard without any pause said gimli my heart burns me too and i would have started sooner but now i must rest a little to run the better and if we rest then the blind night is the time to do so i said that it was a hard choice at argorn how shall we end this debate you are our guide said gimli said gimli and you are skilled in the chase you shall choose my heart bids me go on said legolas but we must hold together i will follow your counsel you give the choice to an ill chooser said aragorn since we passed through the ant argonath my choices have gone amiss he fell silent gazing north and west into the gathering night for a long while we will not walk in the dark he said at length the pearl missing of trail or signs of or of other coming and going seems to be seems to me the greater if the moon gave enough light we would use it but alas he sets early and is yet young and pale and to-night he shrouded away gimli murmured would that the lady have had given us a light such a gift as she gave to frodo it would be more needed where it is bestowed said aragorn with him lies the true quest ours is but a small matter in the great deeds of this time a vain pursuit from its beginning maybe which no choice of mine can mar or mend well i have chosen so let us use the time as best we may he cast himself on the ground and fell at once into sleep for he had not slept since their night under the shadow of tolbrander before dawn was in the sky he woke and rose gimli was still deep in slumber slumber but legolas was standing gazing northwards into the darkness thoughtful and silent as a young tree in a windless night they are far far away he said sadly turning to argorn i know in my heart that they have not rested this night only an eagle can overtake them now Nonetheless, we will still follow as we may, said Aragorn. Stooping, he roused the dwarf. Come, we must go, he said. The scent is growing cold. But it is still dark, said Gimli. Even Legolas on a, t on a hilltop could not see them till the sun is up. I fear they have passed beyond my sight from hill or plain, under moon or sun, said Legolas. Where sight fills the earth may bring us rumor, said Aragorn. The land must groan under their hated feet. He stretched himself upon the ground with his ear pressed against the turf. He lay there motionless for so long a time that Gimli wondered if he had swooned or fallen asleep again. Dawn came glimmering, and slowly a gray light grew about them. At last he rose, and now his friends could see his face. It was pale and drawn, and he looked, and his look was troubled. The rumor of the earth is dim and confused, he said. Nothing walks upon it for many miles about us. Faint and far are the feet of our enemies, but loud are the hooves of horses. It comes to my mind that I heard them, even as I lay on the ground in sleep, and they troubled my dreams. Horses galloping, passing in the west. 
but now they are drawing even further from us, riding northward. I wonder what is happening in this land. Let us go, said Legolas. So the third day of their pursuit began. During all its long hours of cloud and fitful sun, they hardly paused, now striding, now running, as if no weariness could quench the fire that burned them. They seldom spoke. Over the wide solitude they passed, and their eleven elven cloaks faded against the background of the gray-green fields. Even in the cool sunlight of midday, few but elvish eyes would have marked them until they were close at hand. Often in their hearts they thanked the Lady of Lorien for the gift of Lembas, for they could eat of it and find new strength even as they ran. All the day they track of the, the track of their enemies led straight on, going northwest without break or turn. As once again the day wore to its end, they came to long treeless slopes where the land rose, swelling up towards a line of low humpbacked downs ahead. The orc trail grew fainter as it bent north towards them, for the ground became harder and the grass shorter. Far away to the left, the river ant washed round, a silver, a silver thread and a green floor. No moving thing could be seen. Often, often Aragorn wondered that they saw no sign of beast or man. The dwellings of the Rohirrim were for the most part many leagues away to the south under the wooded eaves of the white mountains now hidden in mist and cloud yet the horse lords had formerly kept many herds and studs in the eastern meant this easternly region of their realm and there the herdsmen had wandered much living in camp and tent even in winter time but now all the land was empty and there was a silence that did not seem to be the quiet of peace at dusk they halted again not twice twelve leagues they had passed over the plains of Rohan, and the wall of the Edmund Mule was lost in the shadows of the east. The young moon was glimmering in a misty sky, but it gave small light, and the stars were veiled. Now do I most scratch a time of rest or any halt in our chase, said the glass. The orcs have run before us, as if the very whips of Sauron were behind them. I fear they have already reached the forest and the dark hills, and even now are passing into the shadows of the trees. Gimli ground his teeth. This is a bitter end to our hope and to all our toil, he said. To hope, maybe, but not to toil, said Aragorn. We shall not turn back here, yet I am wary. He gazed back along the way that they had come towards, the night gathering in the east. There is something strange at work in this land. I distrust the silence. I distrust even the pale moon. The stars are faint, and I am wary as I have seldom been before wary as no ranger should be with a clear trail to follow. There's some, there is some will that lends speed to our foes and sets an unseen barrier before us, a wariness that is in the heart more than in the limb. Truly, said Legolas, that I have known since we first came down from the Emin Mule, for the will is not behind us but before us. He pointed away over the land of Rohan into the darkling west under the sickle moon. Saruman, muttered Aragorn, but he shall not turn us back. Halt up, halt we must once more. For see, even the moon is falling into gathering cloud, but north lies our road between down and fen when the day returns. As before Legolas was first afoot, if indeed he had ever slept, Awake, awake, he cried. It is a red dawn. Strange things await us by the eaves of the forest. Good or evil, I do not know. We are called. Awake! 
The others sprang up, and almost at once they set off again. Slowly the downs drew near. It was still an hour before noon when they reached them, green slopes rising to bare ridges that ran in a line straight towards the north. At first their feet, the ground was dry and the turf short, but a, but a long strip of sunken land, some ten miles wide, lay between them and the river, wandering deep in dim thickets of reed and rush. Just to the west of the southernmost slope, there was a great ring, where the turf had come bur- where the turf had been torn and beaten by many trampling feet. From it, the orc trail ran out again, turning north along the dry skirts of the hills. Aragorn halted and examined the tracks closely. They rest here a while, he said, but even that outward trail is already old. I fear that your heart spoke truly, Legolas. It is thrice twelve hours, I guess, since the orcs stood where we now stand. If they held to their pace, that then at sundown yesterday they would reach the borders of Fangorn. I can see nothing away north or west but grass dwindling into mist, said Gimli. Could we see the forest if we climbed the hills? It is still far away, said Aragorn. If I remember rightly, these downs run eight leagues or more to the north than the northwest downs than the northwest to the issuing of the Entwash. There lies still a wide land, another fifteen leagues it may be on. Well, let us go on," said Gimli. "My legs must forget the miles. They will. They would be more willing if my heart were less heavy." The sun was sinking when at last they drew near to the end of the line of downs. For many hours they had marched without rest. They were going slowly now, and Gimli's back was bent. Stone hard and stone hard are the dwarves in labor or journey, but this endless chase began to t- tell on him, as all hope filled in his heart. Aragorn walked behind him, grim and silent, stooping now and again to scan some print or mark upon the ground. Only Legolas stepped, still stepped as lightly as ever, his feet hardly seeming to press the grass, leaving no front prints as he passed. But in the waybread of the elves he found all the sustenance that he needed, and he could sleep, if sleep it could be called by men, resting his mind in the strange pass of elvish dreams, even as he walked open-eyed in the light green of this world. Let us go up onto the screen hill, he said. Wearily they followed him, climbing the long slope until they came out upon the top. It was a round hill, smooth and bare, standing by itself, the most northerly of the downs. The sun sank, and the shadows of evening fell like a curtain. They were alone in a green, in a gray, formless world without mark or measure. Only far away northwest there was a deeper darkness against the dying light the mountains of mist, and the forest at their feet. "'Nothing can we see to guide us here,' said Gimli. "'Well, now we must halt again and wear the night away. It is growing cold.' "'The wind is north from the snow,' said Aragorn. "'And ere morning it will be in the east,' said Legolas. "'But rest if you must, yet do not cast all hope away. Tomorrow is unknown. Read oft is found at the rising of the sun.' Three suns already have risen on our chance and brought no counsel, said Gimli. The night grew even ever colder. Argorn and Gimli slept fitfully, and whenever they woke, they saw Legolas standing beside them, or walking to and fro, singing softly to himself in his own tongue, and as he sang, the white stars opened in the hard black vault above. So the night passed. Together they watched the dawn grow slowly in the night, now bare and cloudless, until at last the sunrise came. It was pale and clear. 
The wind was in the east, and all the mists had rolled away. Wide lands ble lay bleak about them in the bitter light. Ahead and eastward, they saw the windy uplands of the, wo of the world of Rohan that they had already glimpsed many days ago from the great river. Northwestward stalked the dark forest of Fangorn. Still ten leagues, still ten leagues away stood its shadow eaves, shadowy eaves, and its further slopes faded into the distant blue. Beyond there glimmered far away, as if floating on a gray cloud, the white head of tall Methadris, the last peak of the misty mountains. Out of the forest, the Edwash flowed to meet them. It streamed down swift and narrow, and its banks deep cloven. The orc trail turned from the downs towards it. Following with his keen eyes the trail of the river, and then the river back towards the forest, Argorn saw a shadow on the distant green, a dark swift moving blur. He cast himself upon the ground and listened again intently. But Legolas stood beside him, shading his bright elven eyes with his long slender hand, and he saw not a shadow, not a blur, but the small figures of horsemen, many horsemen, and the glint of morning on the tips of their spears was like the twinkle of minute stars beyond the edge of mortal sight. Far behind them a dark smoke rose in the thin curling threads. There was a silence in the empty fields, and Gimli could hear the air moving in the grass. Riders, cried Argorn, springing up to his feet. Many riders on swift steeds are coming towards us. Yes, said Legolas. There are one hundred and five. Yellow is their hair, and bright are their spears. Their leader is very tall. Argorn smiled. Keen are the eyes of the elves, he said. Nay, the riders are little more than five leagues distant, he said Legolas. Five leagues are one, said Gimli. We cannot escape them in this bare land. Shall we wait for them here or go on our own way? Or go on our way. We will wait, said Argorn. I am weary, and our hunt has failed. Or at least others were before us, for these horsemen are riding back down the orc trail. We may get news from them. Or spears, said Gimli. There are three empty saddles, but I see no hobbits, said Legolas. I did not say that we should have he that we should hear good news, said Argorn, but evil or good we will await it here. The three companions now left the hilltop, where they might been be an easy mark against the pale sky, and they walked slowly down the northward slope. A little above the hill's foot they halted, and wrapping their cloaks about them, they sat huddled toward huddled together upon the faded grass. The time passed slowly and heavily. The wind was thin and searching. Gimli was uneasy. What do you know of these horsemen, Argorn? he said. Do we sit here waiting for sudden death? I've been among them, answered Argorn. They are proud and willful, but they are true-hearted, generous in thought and deed, blood but not cruel, wise but un unlearned, writing no books but singing many songs after the manner of the children of men before the dark years. But I do not know what has happened here of late, nor in what mind the Rorum may now be between the traitor Saruman and the threat of Sauron. They have long been the friends of the people of Gondor, though they are not akin to them. It was forgotten years long ago that Eorl the Young brought them out of the north, and their kinship is rather with the Bardings of Dale and with the Bjornings of the wood, among whom may still be seen many men tall and fair, as are the riders of Rohan. At least they will not love the orcs. But Gandalf spoke of a rumor that they pay tribute to Mordor, said Gimli. 
I believe in no more than did Boromir, answered Aragorn. You will soon learn the truth, said Legolas. Already they approach. At length, even Gimli could hear the distant beat of gal galloping hoofs. The horsemen, following the trail, had turned from the river and were dragging near the downs. They were riding like the wind. Now the cries of clear, strong voices came ringing over the fields. Suddenly they swept up with a noise like thunder, and the foremost horsemen swerved, passing by the foot of the hill and leading the host back southward along the we western skirts of the downs. After him they rode. A long line of mail-clad men, swift shining, fell and fair to the fell and fair to look upon their horses were of great stature strong and clean-limbed their gray coats glistened their long tails flowed in the wind their manes were braided on their proud necks the men that rode them matched them matched them well tall and long-limbed their hair flaxen pale flowed under their light helms and streamed in long braids behind them their faces were stern and keen in their hands were tall spears of ash painted shields were slung at their backs long swords were at their belts they burnished shirts of mail hung down upon their knees in pairs they galloped by and though every now and then one rose in his stirrups and gazed ahead and to either side they appeared not to perceive the three strangers sitting silently and waiting them the host had almost passed when suddenly argon stood up and called in a loud voice what news from the north, riders of Rohan? With astonishing speed and skill, they checked their steeds, wheeled, and came charging round. Soon the three companions found themselves in a ring of horsemen, moving in a running circle, up the hill slope, behind them and down, round and round them, and drawing ever inwards. Aragorn stood silent, but the other two sat without moving, wondering what way things would turn. Without a word or cry, suddenly the riders halted. A thicket of spears were pointed towards the strangers, and some of the horsemen had bows in hand, and their arrows were already fitted to the string. Then one rode forward, a tall man, taller than all the rest. From his helm as a crest, a white horse-tail flew, flowed. He advanced until the point of his spear was within a foot of Aragorn's breast. Aragorn did not stir. Who are you, and what are you doing in this land? said the rider, using the common speech of the West, in manner and tone like the, the speech of Boromir, man of Gondor. I am called Strider, answered Aragorn. I came out of the north. I am hunting orcs. The rider leaped from his horse, giving his spear to another who rode up and dismounted at his side. He drew his sword and stood face to face with Aragorn, serving, surveying him keenly, and not without wonder. At length he spoke again. At first I thought you yourselves were orcs, he said, but now I see that is not so. Indeed, you know little of orcs if you go hunting them in this fashion. They were swift and well-armed, and they were many. You would have you would have changed from hunters to prey if ever you had overtaken them. But there is something strange about you, Strider. He bent his, he bent his clear bright eyes again upon the ranger. That is no name for a man that you give, and strange too is your raiment. Have you sprung out of the grass? How did you escape our sight? Are you elvish folk? No, said Aragorn. Only one of us is an elf, Legolas, from the woodland realm and distant Mirkwood. We have passed through Lothlorien, and the gifts in favor of the lady go with us. 
The rider looked at them with renewed wonder, but his eyes hardened. Then there is a lady in the golden wood, as old tales tell, he said. For escape, few escape her nets, they say. These are strange days, but if you have her favor, then you also have net weavers and sorcerers, maybe. He turned a cold glance suddenly upon Legolas and Gimli. Why do you not speak, silent ones? he demanded. Gimli rose and planted his feet firmly apart. His hand gripped the handle of his axe, and his dark eyes flashed. Give me your name, horse master, and I will give you mine and more besides, he said. As for that, said the rider, staring down at the dwarf, the stranger should declare himself first. Yet I am named Eomar, son of Eomund, and am called the third marshal of Riddermark. Then Eomar, son of Eomund, third marshal of Riddermark, let me give, let Gimli the dwarf Gloin's son warn you against foolish words. You speak evil of that which is far beyond the reach of your thought, and only little wit can excuse you. Eomar's eyes blazed, and the men of Rohan murmured angrily and closed in, advancing their spears. I would cut off your head, beard and all, Master Dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground, said Eomar. He stands not alone, said Legolas, bending his bow and fitting an arrow with hands that moved quicker than sight. He would die before your stroke fell. Eomar raised his sword, and things might have gone ill, but Argorn sprang between them and raised his hand. Your pardon, Eomar, he cried. When you know more, you will understand why you have angered my companions. We intend no evil to Rohan, nor to any of its folk, neither to man nor to horse. Will you not hear out tale before you strike? I will, said Eomar, lowering his blade. But wanderers in the in the Riddermark would be wise to be less haughty in these days of doubt. First tell me your right name. First tell me who you serve, said Argorn. Are you friend or foe of Saruman, the Dark Lord of Mordor? I serve only the Lord of the Mark, Theoden, King of King Son of Thingel. Thingel, answered Eomar. We do not serve the power of the Black Land far away, but neither are we yet at open war with him. And if you are fleeing from him, then you had best leave this land. There is trouble now on all our borders, and we are threatened. We desire only to be free and to live as we have lived, keeping our own and serving no foreign war, good or evil. We welcomed guests kindly in the better days, but in these times the unbidden stranger finds us swift and hard. Come, who are you? Whom do you serve? At whose command do you hunt orcs in our land? I serve no man, said Aragorn. But the servants of sorrow and I pursue into whatever land they may go. There are few among mortal men who know more of orcs, and I do not hunt them in this fashion out of choice. The orcs whom we pursue took, capt took captive two of my friends. In such, need of in such need a man that has no horse will go on foot, and he will not ask for leave to follow the trail, nor will he count the heads of the enemy save with a sword. I am not weaponless. Aragorn threw back his cloak. The elven sheath glittered as he grasped it. And the bright blade of Enderil shone like a sudden flame as he wept it out. Elendil, he cried. I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and am called Elisar, the Elfstone, Dunedin, the heir of Isildur's Isildur Elendil, son of Gondor. Here is the sword that was broken and is forged again. Will you aid me or thwart me? Choose swiftly. 
Gimli and Legolas looked at their companion in amazement, for they had not seen him in this mood before. He seemed to have grown in stature while Eomar had shrunk, and, had, and in his living face they caught a brief vision of the power and majesty of the kings of stone. For a moment it seemed to the eyes of Legolas that a white flame flickered on the brows of Argorn like a shining crown. Eomar stepped back and, look, and a look of awe was in his face. He cast down his proud eyes. These are indeed strange days, he muttered. Dreams and legends spring to life out of the grass. Tell me, Lord, he says, what brings you here? And what was the meaning of the dark words? Long has Boromir, son of Denethor, been gone seeking an answer, and the horse that we lent him came back riderless. What doom of what doom do you bring of the north? The doom of choice, said Aragorn. You may say this to Theoden, son of Thane. The, the Thangil, open war lies before him, with Sauron or against him. None may live now as they have lived, and few shall keep what they call their own. But of these great matters we will speak later. If chance allows, I will come myself to the king. Now I am in great need, and I ask for help, or at least for tidings. You heard that we are pursuing an oracle that carried off our friends. What can you tell us? That you need not pursue them further, said Eomar. The orcs are destroyed. And our friends? We found none but orcs. But that is strange indeed, said Aragorn. Did you search the slain? Were there no bodies other than those of orc kind? They would be small, only children to your eyes, unshod, but, clayed, but clad in grain. There were no dwarves, no children, said Eomar. We counted all the slain and despoiled them, and then we piled the carcasses and burned them, as is our custom. The ashes are smoking still. We do not speak of dwarves to children, said Gimli. Our friends were hobbits. Hobbits? said Eomar. And what may they be? It is a strange name. A strange name for strange folk, said Gimli. But they were but these were very dear to us. It seems that you have heard in Rohan of these words of that troubled Minas Tirith. They spoke of the halfling. These hobbits are halflings. Halflings, laughed the writer that stood beside Eomar halflings but they are only little people in old songs and children's tales out of the north do we walk in legends or on the green earth in the daylight a man may do both said aragorn for not we but those who come after will make the legends of our time the green earth say you that is a mighty matter of legend though you tread it under the light of day time is pressing said the writer not heeding aragorn we must hasten south lord let us leave these wild folk to their fancies, or let us bind them and take them to the king. Peace, Eothane, said Eomar in his own tongue. Leave me a while. Tell the Eord to assemble on the path and make ready to ride to the to the Entwade. Muttering, Eothane retired and spoke to the others. Soon they drew off and left Eomar alone with the three companions. All that you say is strange, Aragorn, he said. That you speak the truth that is plain. The men of the mark do not lie, and therefore they are not easily deceived. But you have not told all. Will you now speak more fully of your errand so that I may judge what to do? I set out from Imladris, as it is the name of in the rhyme, many weeks ago, answered Argorn. With me went Boromir of Minas Tirith. My errand was to go to that city with the son of Denethor to aid his folk in their war against Sauron. 
but the company that I journeyed with had other business, of that I could not speak now. Gandalf the Grey was our leader. Gandalf, Eomar explained. Eomar explained. Gandalf Graham is known in the mark, but his name, I warn you, is no longer a password to the king's favor. He has been a guest in the land many times in the memory of men, coming as he will after a season or after many years. He is ever the herald of strange events, a bringer of evil, some now say. Indeed, since his last coming in the summer, all things have gone amiss. At that time, our trouble with Saruman began. Until then, we counted Saruman our friend. But Gandalf came then and warned us and warned us that sudden war was preparing in Isengard. He said that he himself had been a prisoner in Orthanc and had hardly escaped, and he begged for help. But Theoden would not listen to him, and he went away. Speak not the name of Gandalf loudly in Theoden's ears. He is wroth. But Gandalf took the horse that is called Shadowfax, the most precious of all the king's steeds, chief of the Miras which only the lord of the mark may ride. For the sire of their race was the great horse of Eor, Eorl, that knew the speech of men. Seven nights ago the shadow facts returned, but the king's anger is not less. For now the horse is wild and will not let no man handle him. Then shadow facts has found his way alone from the far north, said Aragorn, for it was there that he and Gandalf parted. But alas, Gandalf will no longer ride. He fell into darkness in the mines of Moria, and comes not again. This is heavy tidings, said Eomer, at least to me and to many, though not to all, as you may find if you come to the king. It is tidings more grievous than any in this land can understand, though it may touch them sorely ere, ere the year is much older, said Aragorn. When the great fall, the, the less must lead. My part... It has been to guide our company on the long road from Moria. Through Lorien we came, of which it were well that you should learn the truth ere you speak of it again, and thence down the leagues of the great river to the falls of Roras. There Boromir was slain by the same orcs whom you destroyed. Your news is all of woe, cried Eomor, Eomer in dismay. Great harm is this death to Minas Tirith and to us all. That was a worthy man. All spoke his praise. He came seldom to the mark, for he was ever and all in the wars of the east borders. But I have seen him, more like to the swift sons of Eorl than to the grave of great men of Gondor. He seemed to me, and likely to prove a great captain of his people when his time came. We had no word of this grief out of Gondor. When did he fall? It is now the fourth day since he was slain, answered Aragorn. And since the evening of that day, we have journeyed from the shadow of Tolbrander. On foot? cried Eomer. Yes, even as you see us. Wide wonder came into Eomer's eyes. Strider is too poor a name, son of Arthorn, he said. Wingfoot, I name you. This deed of three friends should be sung in a many a hall. Forty leagues and five you have measured ere the fourth day is ended. Hardly is the race of Ellendale. But now, Lord, what would you have me do? I must return in haste to Theoden. I spoke warily before my, before my men. It is true that we are not yet at open war with the Black Land, and there are some, close to the king's ears, that speak craven counsels. But war is coming. We shall not forsake our old alliance with Gondor, and while they fight we shall aid them. 
So say I and all who hold with me, the east mark is my charge, the ward of the third marshal, and I have removed all our herds and herd folk, withdrawing them beyond Enwash and leaving none there, none here but guards and swift scouts. Then you do not pay tribute to sorrow to to Sauron, said Gimli. We do not, and we never have, said Eomer, with a flash of his eyes, though it comes to my ears that the that lie has been told. Some years ago, the Lord of the Black Land wished to purchase horses of of us at great price, but we refused him, for he puts beasts to evil use. Then he sent plundering orcs, and they carry off what they can, choosing always the black horses. Few of these are now left, for what reasons are feud with the orcs is bitter. But at this time, our chief concern is with Saruman. He has claimed lordship over all this land, and there has been war between us for many months. He has taken orcs into his service, and wolf riders, and evil men, and he has closed the gap against us, so that we are likely to be beset both east and west. It is ill-dealing with such a foe. He is a wizard, both cunning and dimmer-crafty, dwimmer-crafty, having many guises. He walks here and there, they say, as an old man hooded and cloaked, very like to Gandalf, as many now recall. His spies slip through every net, and his birds of ill omen are abroad in the sky. I do not know how it will all end, and my, and my heart misgives me, for it seems to me that his friends do not all dwell in Isengard. But if you come to the king's house, you shall see for yourself. Will you not come? Do I hope in vain that you have been sent to me for help and doubt and need? I will come when I may, said Aragorn. Come now, said Eomer. The heir of Elendale will be a strength indeed to the sons of Earl in, his, in this evil tide. There is battle even now upon the westernment, and I fear that it may go ill for us. Indeed is this Indeed, in this riding north I went without the king's leave, for in my absence his house is left with little guard, but scouts warned me of the orc host coming down out of the east wall four nights ago, and among them they reported that some bore the white badges of Saruman. So suspecting what I most fear, a league between Orthanc and the Dark Tower, I led my Eord men of my own household and we overtook the orcs at nightfall two days ago, near to the borders of the Entwood. There we surrounded them, there we surrounded them, and gave battle yesterday at dawn. Fifteen of my men I lost, and twelve horses, alas, for the orcs were greater in number than we counted on. Others joined them, coming out of the east across the great river, their trail is plain to see at little north of this spot, and others too came out of the forest, great orcs who also bore the white hand of Isengard, that kind is stronger and more fell than all others. Nonetheless, we put an end to them, but we have been too long away. We are needed south and west. Will you not come? There are spare horses, as you see. There is work for the sword to do. Yes, and we could find a use for Gimli's axe in the bow of Legolas, if they will pardon my rash words concerning the Lady of the Wood. I spoke only as do all men in my land, and I would gladly learn better. I thank you for your fair words, said Argorn, and my heart desires to come with you, but I cannot desert my friends while hope remains. Hope does not remain, said Eomer. You will not find your friends on the north borders. Yet my friends are not behind. We found a clear token not far from the east, wall, far from the east wall that one at least of them was still alive there, 
but between the wall and the downs we have found no other trace of them and no trail has turned aside this way or that unless my skill has wholly left me then what do you think has become of them i do not know they may have been slain and burned among the orcs but that you will say cannot be and i do not fear it i can only think that they were carried off into the forest before the battle even before you encircled your foes maybe can you swear that none escaped your net in a such way i would swear that no orc escaped after we sighted them said eomer we reached the forest eaves before them after that any living thing broke through our ring then it was no orc and had some elvish power our friends were tired even as we are said aragorn and you passed us by under the full light of day i had forgotten that said eomer it is hard to be sure of anything among so many marvels the world is all grown strange elf and dwarf and company walk in our daily fields and folks speak with the lady of the wood and yet live and the sword comes back to war that was broken in the long ages ere the fathers of our fathers rode into the mark how shall a man judge what to do in such good times as he ever has judged said aragorn good and ill have not changed since yesteryear nor are the one thing among elves and dwarves and another among men it is it is a man's part to discern them as true in the golden wood as is in his own house true indeed said eomer but i do not doubt you nor the deed with which my heart would do yet i am not free to do all as i would it is against our law to let strangers wander at will in our land until the king himself shall give them leave and more strict is the command in these days of peril i have begged you to come back willingly with me and you will not loth am i to begin a battle of one hundred against three i do not think your law was made for such a chance said aragorn nor indeed am i a stranger for i have been in this land before more than once and ridden with the host of rohirrim though under other under other name and other guise you and i had not seen before for your other name and in for you are young but i have spoken with eomund your father and with son and with theoden son of thingal never in former days would any high lord of this land have constrained a man to abandon such a quest as mine my duty at least is clear to go on come now son of eomund the choice must be made at last aid us or at the worst let us go free or seek to carry out your law if you do so there will be fewer to return to your war or to your king eomer was silent for a moment then he spoke we both have need of haste he said my company seems to be away and every hour lessens your hope this is my choice you may go and what is more i will lend you horses this is all this only i ask when your quest is achieved or is proved vain return with the horses over the end way to Medusaud, the high house in Edoras, where Theoden now sits. Thus you shall prove to him that I have not misjudged, and this I please myself, and maybe my very life, in the keeping of your good faith. Do not fail. I will not, said Aragorn. There was great wonder and many dark and doubtful glances among his men when Eomar gave orders that the spare horses were to be lent to the strangers, but only Eothane dared to speak openly. It may be well enough for this lord of the race of Gondor, as he claims, he said, 
But who has heard of a horse of the mark being given to a dwarf? No one, said Gimli, and do not trouble. No one will ever hear of it. I would sooner walk than sit on the back of any beast so great. Free or begrudged. Begrudged. But you must ride now, or you will hinder us, said Argorn. Come, you shall sit behind me, friend Gimli, said Legolas. Then all well, and then all will be well, and you need neither borrow a horse nor be troubled by one. A great dark gray horse was brought to Argorn, and he mounted it. Hasufel is his name, said Eomar. May he bear you well into better fortune than Gar Garolf, his late master. A smaller and lighter horse, but restive and fiery, was brought to Legolas. Arad was his name, but Legolas asked to take off saddle and rein. I need them not, he said, and leaped lightly up. And to their wonder, Arad was tame and willing beneath him, moving here and there with but a spoken word. Such was the elvish way with all good beasts. Gimli was lifted up behind his friend, and he clung to him, not much more at ease than when Sam Gamgee in a boat. Farewell, and may you find what you seek, cried Eomer. Return with what speed you may, and let our swords hereafter shine together. I will come, said Aragorn, and I will come too, said Gimli. The matter of the Lady Galadriel li lies still between us. I get to teach you gentle speech. We shall see, said Eomer. So many strange things have changed. Have chanced that to learn the praise of a fair lady under the loving strokes of a dwarf's axe would seem no great wonder. Farewell. With that they parted. Very swift were the horses of Rohan. When, after a little, Gimli looked back, the company of Eomer were already small and far away. Aragorn did not look back. He was watching this trail as they sped on their way, bending low with his head beside the neck of Hasufel. Before long, they came to the borders of the Entwash, and there they met the other trail of which Eomer had spoken, coming down from the east out of the world, Wold. Aragorn dismounted and surveyed the ground, then, leaping back into the saddle, he rode away for some distance eastward, keeping to one side and taking care not to override the footprints. Then he again dismounted and examined the ground, going backwards and forwards on foot. There is so little to discover, he said when he returned. The main trail is all confused with the passage of the horsemen as they came back. Their outward course must have lain nearer the river, but this eastward trail is fresh and clear. There is no sign there of, there of any feet going the other way back towards Anduin. Now he must ride slower and make sure that no trace or footstep branches off either side. The orcs must have been aware from this point that they were pursued. They may have made some attempt to get the captives away before they were overtaken. As they rode forward, this day was overcast. Low gray clouds came over the wold, and mist shrouded the sun. Even near the tree-clad slopes of Fangorn loomed, slowly darkling as the sun went west. They saw no sign of any trail to right or left, but here and there they passed single orcs, fallen in their tracks as they ran, with gray feathered arrows sticking in the back or throat. At last, in the afternoon, was waning. They came to the east of the forest, and in an open glade among the first trees, they found the place of the great burning. The ashes were still hot and smoking. Beside it was a great pile of helms and mail, cloven shields and broken swords, bows and darts, and other gear of war. Upon a stake in the middle was a set of green goblin of a great goblin head, 
upon its shattered helm the white badge could still be seen further away not far from the river where it came streaming out from the edge of the wood there was a mound it was newly raised the raw earth was covered with fresh cut turves about it were planted fifteen spears argon and his companions searched far and wide about the field of battle but the light faded and evening soon drew down dim and misty but nightfall they had discovered was no trace of mary and pippin we can do no more said said gimli sadly we have beaten set many riddles since we came to Tolbrander, but this is the hardest to unravel. I would guess that the burned bones of the hobs are now mingled with the orcs. It will be hard news for Frodo if he lives to hear it, and hard too for the old hobbit who waits in Rivendell. Elrond was against their coming. But Gandalf was not, said Legolas. Gandalf chose to come himself, and he was the first to be lost, answered Gimli. His foresight failed him. The council of Gandalf was not founded on foreknowledge or safety for himself or for others, said Aragorn. There are some things that it's better to begin than to refuse, even though they, even though the end may be dark. But I shall not depart from this place yet. In any case, we must here await the morning light. A little way beyond the battlefield, they made their camp under a spreading tree. It looked like a chestnut, and yet it still bore many broad brown leaves of a former year like dry hands with long splayed fingers. They rattled mournfully in the night breeze. Gimli shivered. They had brought only one blanket apiece. Let us light a fire, he said. I care no longer for the danger. Let the orcs come as thick as summer moths round a candle. If those unhappy hobbits are astray in the woods, it might draw them hither, said Legolas, and it might draw their things, neither orc or nor hobbit, said Aragorn. We are near to the mountain marches of the church traitor saruman also we are on the very edge of fangorn and it's and it is perilous to touch the trees of that wood it is said but the roerim made a great burning here yesterday said gimli and they felled trees for the fire and as can be seen yet they passed the night after safely here where their when their labor was ended they were many said argorn and they do not heed the wrath of fangorn but for they come here seldom and they do not go under the trees but our paths are likely to lead us into the very forest itself so have a care cut no living wood there is no need said gimli the riders have left chip and bow enough and there is dead wood lying in plenty he went off to gather fuel and busied himself with building and kindling a fire but argorn sat silent with his back to the great tree deep in thought and Legolas stood alone in the open, looking towards the profound shadow of the wood, leaning forward as one who listens to voices calling from a distance. When the dwarf had a small bright blaze glowing, the three companions drew close to it and sat together, shrouding the light with their hooded forms. Legolas looked up at the boughs of the tree reaching up out above them. Look, he said, the tree is glad of the fire. It may have been that the dancing shadows took their eyes, but certainly to each of the companions the boughs appeared to be bending this way and that so as to come above the flames, while the upper branches were stooping down. The brown leaves now stood out stiff and rubbed together like many cold cracked hands taking comfort in the warmth. There was a silence, for suddenly the dark and unknown forest so near at hand made itself felt as a great brooding presence, full of secret purpose. After a while, Legolas spoke again. Celeborn warned us not to go far into Fangorn, he said. 
Do you know why, Argon? What of the fables of the forest that Boromir had heard? I have heard many tales in Gondor and elsewhere, said Aragorn, but if it were not for the woods of Celeborn, I should deem them only fables that men have made as true knowledge fades. I had thought of asking you what was the truth of the matter, and if an elf of the wood does not know, how shall a man answer? You have journeyed farther, further than I, said Legolas. I have heard nothing of this in my own land, save only songs that tell how the on onodrum that men call Ents dwelt there long ago for fangorn is old old even as the elves would reckon it yes it is old said aragorn as old as the forest by the barrow downs and it is far greater elrond says that the two are akin the, the last strongholds of the mighty woods of the elder days in which the firstborn roamed while men still slept yet fangorn holds some secret of its own what i what it is i do not know and I do not wish to know, said Gimli. Let nothing that dwells in Fangorn be troubled on my account. They now drew lots for the watches, and the lot for the first watch fell to Gimli. The others laid down. Almost at once, sleep laid hold on them. Gimli, said Aragorn drowsily, remember, it is perilous to cut bow or twig from a living tree in Fangorn, but do not stray far in search of dead wood. Let the, father, let the fire die, rather. Call me at need. With that he fell asleep. Legolas already lay motion motionless, his fair hands folded upon his breast, his eyes unclosed, blending living night and deep dream, as is the way with elves. Gimli sat hunched by the fire, running his thumb, thumb thoughtfully along the edge of his axe. The tree rustled. There was no other sound. Suddenly Gimli looked up, and there, just on the edge of the firelight, stood an old bent man, leaning on a staff and wrapped in a great cloak. His wide-brimmed hat was pulled down over his eyes. Gimli sprang up, too amazed for the moment to cry out, though once the thought flashed into his mind that Saruman had caught them. Both Argorn and Legolas rose, roused by his sudden movement, sat up and stared. The old man did not speak or make a sign. "'Well, father, what can we do for you?' said Argorn, leaping to his feet. "'Come and be warm if you are cold.' He strode forward, but the old man was gone. There was no trace of him to be found near at hand, and they did not dare to wander far. The moon had set, and the night was very dark. Suddenly Legolas gave a cry. The horses! The horses! The horses were gone. They had dragged their pickets and disappeared. For some time the three companions stood, stood still and silent, troubled by this new stroke of ill fortune. They were under the eaves of Fangorn, and endless leagues lay between them and the men of Rohan, their only friends in this wide and dangerous land. As they stood, it seemed to them that they heard, far off in the night, the sound of horses whinnying and neighing. Then all was quiet again, except for the cold rustle of the wind. Well, they are gone, said Argon at last. We cannot find them or catch them, so that if, we, so that if they do not return of their own will, we must do without. We started on our feet, and we have those still. Feet, said Gimli, but we cannot eat them as well as walk on them. He threw some fuel on the fire and slumped down beside it. Only a few hours ago you were unwilling to sit on the horse of Rohan, laughed Legolas. You will make a rider yet. It is. It seems unlikely that I shall have the chance, said Gimli. If you wish to know what I think, he began after a while. I think it was Saruman. Who else? Remember the words of Eomar? He walks about like an old man, hooded and cloaked. 
Those were the words. He has gone off with, the, with our horses or scared them away, and here we are. There is more trouble coming to us. Mark my words. I marked them, said Aragorn. But I marked also that this old man had a hat, not a hood. So I do not doubt that you guess right, and that we are in peril here, by night or day. Yet in the meantime there is nothing that we can do but rest, while we may. I will watch for a while now, Gimli. I have more need of thought than of sleep. The night passed slowly. Legolas followed Aragorn, and Gimli followed Legolas. And their watches were away, but nothing happened. The old men did not appear again, and the horses did not return.